Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. And today's show is brought to you by 409tailgateclub.com. The place to go for all your barbecue sauces, barbecue rub needs. And don't forget the Bloody Mary mix also. What's a tailgate without some Bloody Marys, Andy, right? All you need to do is go to 409tailgateclub.com and you get a chance to see all of their great products. Andrew P., how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Jimmy. How are you? I am good. I'm ready to talk some Penn State football little different show today, Andy. Not a whole lot of news and notes, certainly not enough to fill up a segment. So I've got a few other topics for you. First on the board, I want to talk about some of these position battles we're going to see this spring. Now, before you get started, Andy, one of the things that I believe is different about this current team is when you talk about position battles, especially on defense, you and I talked about this prior to the show. There's almost like 20 starters, if you think in terms of rotations at each position. So a little bit position battles on defense is a different kind of conversation, isn't it? Yeah, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I'd say the number is... Yeah, it's probably at least 18. Like you could say they have 18 regulars, guys that get significant snaps and play enough plays that they are contributors and difference makers. So you have your starters, and they're not really backups. They're just, I'd say they have 18 starters on defense. That would be my number. We'll see how it shakes out for 2023, but at the end of, 22, I'd be like, yeah, Penn State basically has 18 starters because that's the number of guys they use on a consistent basis by the time you're a minute or two into the second quarter. That's how many guys they played. And they weren't like specific roles or anything. That's just the number of guys that they use. So it is a completely different conversation on defense. You're 100% right. It really is. So let's start then on the offensive side of the ball. When I say position battle going into spring, Andy, where do you go? For the offense? Yes. I I go to the wide receiver position. You can't help but start there. I think there's a lot of names. I think you can, the way I sort of did this for us this time is I sort of looked at it, looked at it by individual positions, right? Like, the slot receiver, the X receiver, the Z receiver, you know, what's it look like at each different receiver? You've got the receiver position. Who are the top three guys? But I thought it'd be kind of fun to look at it by each position and who fits best there and who's behind them. So that's kind of the way I did it, Jimmy. But there are, you know, who's your top three receivers? Who's your wide receiver one? I don't really think Penn State has any of that right now because there's so much unknown. So I thought it'd be more fun to break it down by positions. I hope you're okay with that, sir. I am okay. Let's hear it. Do it by position, Andy. 
So I started at the slot position, right? And I see two guys competing for the for you know the general when they go to that offense where they have the pure slot receiver. I think it's Caden Saunders and Liam Clifford. I think those are the two guys that are going to buy for when they line up with a pure slot receiver. That is going to be the the person that plays that role. They use a lot of two tight end, occasionally three tight end sets. So with Mike Yersich and the skills that he has and the players that he has, he's gone away from a little bit of a more spread where you see a slot receiver all the time. It's a little more of a limited role, but I see those two guys in it. Caden Saunders is clearly the bigger name, the bigger recruit, the more talented receiver. Just don't think you underestimate Liam Clifford, right? I I think the family gene doesn't, Apple doesn't fall from the tree. He's a bit of a bulldog. And he's going to have a say in who gets that. Kane Saunders should be the one that wins, but I I think Liam Clifford's going to have a say in that. So I looked at the slot receiver first. Very good. And I'm with you on Liam Clifford. I think he gets underestimated. The fact that he did see the field some last year, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a bigger role. All right, keep going, Andy. He's going to have a say in this. So the wide receiver exposition – that's sort of your, you know, your split guy, you're down the field. I think it's Keandre Lambert-Smith is your leader in the clubhouse. And I liked what I saw, you know, when he came back and, and had a little bit bigger role with the injuries. I think he took a next step late during Penn State season and into the bowl game. And I think you're going to see that going forward. I think Harrison Wallace can play a role at that position as well. For the Z receiver, which would be sort of what Mitchell Tinsley played, right, like uh, on the 2022 uh, team, I see Dante Cephas as a clear leader in, in the clubhouse for that one. He's He was productive at the MAC level. Yeah, he's coming off an injury that limited him a little bit last year, but he is a volume catch productive type receiver, much like Mitchell Tinsley was coming out of Western Kentucky. They're very similar I think Dante Cephas is a little bit more talented overall than Mitchell Tinsley. And I think Amari Evans fits in that role nicely as a second guy. That's why I have have him as a second on the Z. Now, where does Florida State transfer Malik McClain fit in all this? That's the one I'm not sure about and I don't really know about because it's kind of been a while since Penn State had a long receiver option. Is that a good way to put it, Jimmy. In other words, a guy with 6'4", he's 6'4", and he's got alligator arms. He has a very wide and large catch radius. They, they've got a new receivers coach. I think I don't, I don't. think he's going to find a role, but I think it's going to be more of a niche role for Penn State. So I think he's in the mix, but I don't think he fits in one of those clear boxes to me yet. I need to see a little bit more with the new receivers coach and what he wants to do with the guys he has. He reminds me of Bleak Mega, who was a long receiver, tall, seemed to be promising. We thought we'd see more of him in 22, and we didn't. And you talk about McLean, seems to be a lot of similar description to him. He highly regarded coming out of high school. I think he's the variable. It's going to be entirely up to him. 
All right, we spent a good time in the segment already with the wide receivers, Andy. Where else are you looking for a position battle? So for me, it's always a safety, but I'm going to save the safety for another segment, Jimmy. We could talk about safeties in, in and of its segment itself because I think that's a dynamic position. So I'm going to flip over on defense, and I'm going to go at the cornerback position because I think it's a it's a wealth of riches for the other starting quarterback cornerback, excuse me, position. King's King's going to be an elite, and I think he's got all Big Ten potential, right? Like, Kalen King's going to be a stud. He is a stud. So you've got Johnny Dixon and the transfer from North Carolina, Storm Duck. And the way I'm looking at it is, who's the guy that gets on the field first, and who will be on the field shortly after that? And to me right now, I think Dixon has the experience in the defense and with Manny Diaz because Manny knows what Dixon can do as a top-two corner. And he filled that role for a few games last season when Joey Porter Jr. was out. I think he has an early step in the clubhouse. But Storm Duck is experienced. He's battled some injuries. He, He made an explosion at North Carolina early in his career, then battled injuries. He came back last year. He was second team all ACC. He's got some chops. He had three picks. This is a battle. This isn't really a battle, per se. This is just figuring out who starts and who doesn't. Because I know Storm Duck didn't transfer from North Carolina to Penn State to not be a guy that plays a significant number of snaps. In fact, I think he came here because he thinks he can beat Johnny Dixon out and be the starter. But I think Johnny, heading into spring ball and through camp, we'll see if the pedigree of Storm Duck who I think has a little more chops or the experience and knowing the defense a little better and knowing what Manny Diaz, knowing Johnny Dixon and what he can do and what he brings to the table, which one of those gets the first call? Because I swear to gosh, Jimmy, they are going to both play and it might end up being somewhere close to equal, the same number of snaps for Penn State because that's how Manny runs his defense and they're both capable of doing it. It is the perfect example of how we started the segment with about how the defense is different. There are more than 11 starters back there. I'm going to throw two at you real quick in the last two minutes uh, we have, Andy. I'm going to go back on the offense, and it may seem obscure, but I'm going to look at who is the third string tight end because we had gotten used to three tight ends playing and you know sometimes three tight ends playing at one time. Khalil Dinkins is next in line. Jerry Cross is next after him, but sat out with, uh, had injury issues last year. And then you've got three freshman tight ends, uh, including Rappelier, who comes in pretty polished. The other question I have for you, right tackle, can Caden Wallace hold on to his position? So the first one, I'll address the tight end real quick first. So it's, Seven guys in the room, eventually. It is five guys vying for a limited number of situational snaps behind Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. Barring injury, that is simply what it is. For me, it is the coaching staff to figure out, okay, not who's next and who can catch the ball. It's who can block. That is simply going to be the deciding factor. Who is the best blocker among the five? Who's the guy that moves people out of the way and can figure out the offense and still move people out of the way, that's the guy that's going to win. When it comes to the right tackle, the hidden 
the hidden sort of, I think a key component, the hidden gem of this offense is the right tackle position. It is Caden Wallace. He's. It's very important that he figures out if he can be the right tackle and not make Penn State's coaching staff figure out, do we have to look at another option at right tackle? That's so very, very important for this offensive line because they need that versatility and stability. It will be interesting. Drew Shelton, we know, got some a couple starts at left tackle. Yep. Would they move him to right tackle and challenge Caden Wallace? That will be the interesting point there. And one final note on your comments about tight end. If it is going to be about blocking, might the freshman Mega Barnwell, who's a monster. He's a monster. Could, could we see him in be, simply because of that size? It'll be interesting to see. Andy, that is it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got a lot more to go. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Andrew P. Shea. I'm Jim Galante. This is quarter number two of our show. And Andy, I've got what I think is an interesting topic and something a little bit different than we typically hit. You can tell it's the offseason, right? We, we're, we're coming up with very different topics. And here's the one, and we're going to talk in quarter number four about what Penn State needs to do to overcome Michigan and Ohio State. And a lot of people will just answer that question with the quarterback position. 
Correct. And that kind of led me to take a look at the history under James Franklin of the quarterback position. On the surface, there's essentially been two James Franklin quarterbacks, right? Trace, Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford. Yeah, that that is it. Well, guess what? He has recruited and brought in a lot more quarterbacks over the history. I'm just going to recite these names real quick um, to show the history and what we're going to be talking about. In 2015, they got Tommy Stevens, who they got after Brandon Wimbush decommitted. 2016, Jake Zembeck. Next year, Clifford. Next year, it was Will Levis after Justin Fields decommitted. Then the following year, Taekron Roberson and Michael Johnson. The next year, Micah Bowens. The next year, Christian Veyu. The following year, 2022, it was Drew Aller and Bo Prabula. And then finally in 23, Jackson Smolik. A lot of names out there, a lot of interesting names. Very few of these quarterbacks started and finished their collegiate career at Penn State. In fact, it was... uh, Sean Clifford through the first until we get to, you know, last year and Drew Aller and Bo Prabula, whose history hasn't been complete yet. They essentially had one guy finish his career at Penn State. What does that tell you about the recruiting of quarterbacks? Well, there's two there's two sides of it. I think Jake Zembeck finished, but he had injuries and he never really played. And I think he met had a medical retirement. Yeah, he had a medical retirement. Correct. And he was like always just a guy wearing the funny colored hat and making hand signals, but um, he was never a legitimate option. It says it's two sides of the coin. When you look at this one is uh, they've only had two starting quarterbacks, Jimmy. I mean, James stick finds this guy and sticks with him. So there's not a lot of room at the end for other guys. I mean, Tommy Stevens left went and, and went to Mississippi state in a full competitive field and won the starting job there that that says something about the position he recruited the best year recruiting might have been 2018 when it when when he found Justin Fields and got him to commit early he decommitted then his second choice was Will Levis who's on the precipice of being a top 10 pick in the NFL this year not bad but it says to me that the well it's just it's just that James finds his guy and sticks with him Drew Aller's next Drew Aller has three more years of eligibility. There's nothing. Okay, so he's got three more years. But if he develops, he's probably got two seasons if he develops really well. But he has three years. That's that's James Franklin's next. So Bo Perula and Jackson Smolik, you've got an uphill climb ahead of you if Drew Aller uh, establishes himself as a clear QB1. That's just how James runs his program and the offense works. I want to know how do you look at this? And I'm going to give you the cup half full and the cup half empty, Andy. You mentioned, you know, in some of these names, James Franklin felt found Will Levis when nobody else was looking to him. Uh, he found Justin Fields before the rest of the world discovered him. Correct. He, he found Tommy Stevens when very few people were looking to him. He may have even caught a gem with Christian Vayu that again was not um, entirely was not a highly rated quarterback coming out. Now that versus how about 
and maybe this is unfair to compare to Ohio State, but this is the cup half empty. In that same time frame, I won't recite all the names, but in that same time frame, James Franklin has Drew Aller as a top 100 player that he recruited. In that same time span, Ohio Mm -hmm. State had six guys, six, that were top 100. And that doesn't even mention Joe Burrow, who was not a top 100 recruit, and Justin Fields, who was probably was a you know I think number one or number two in the country, went to Georgia first before transferring into Ohio State. That is who Penn State is competing against, Andy. So looking at it that way, cups half empty, isn't it? it it's always going to be cup ha- cup half empty to me because <clears throat> Ohio State's what what is there what is your sort of bellwether what is your sort of you know cowbell that you in your recruiting what is your um you know what are you able to attract that is different than most others at ohio state it's receivers and quarterbacks at penn state it's running backs and linebackers it's not quarterbacks if you looked at linebackers and and running backs penn state probably wins that time frame battle against ohio state even though ohio state's had some really good running backs. But Penn State's going to win the linebacker battle, and they're probably going to win the running back battle. Penn State is is not a school where quarterbacks, high-end quarterbacks, look at as an opportunity-type school. That's just – that's inherent. So I, I, I my answer is it's just that is what Ohio State does. They recruit receivers by the boatload and quarterbacks by the bucket load. So – that is what they do best, and that is what shows up on the field. They outscore everybody. So it is always going to be an uphill climb at that position for Penn State, just against Ohio State. So Penn State lost out on Justin Fields. They lost out on Brandon Wimbush, who didn't turn out to what a lot, a lot of people thought. But how about Andy? He did bring in Tommy Stevens and Will Levis, who went on to – bigger and better things after leaving, and perhaps that will happen with Christian Vayu also. Has he been too stubborn in looking to the second-team quarterback and giving him an opportunity? Early, yes. Lately, no. I think he he's developed or evolved in the at the quarterback position the way he used Drew Aller in 2022 he's not going to make he's not going to make the same mistake again and I don't even look at it as mistake I mean Tommy Stevens he lost out to Trace McSorley and that happened and it was a battle more so than we even knew at the time then it was a 50-50 battle and Trace won and Trace performed so Tommy Stevens developed and had to go but then when he got the starting job at Mississippi State, it wasn't necessarily all that great at the time. I mean, this one drives me nuts. Uh, a Penn State fan of mine texted me, and he's like, James Franklin should be fired because he bet on Sean Clifford and Will Levis is better at the time. When the decision had to be made, who was the better quarterback at the time? It was Sean Clifford. Not Sean Clifford wasn't injured. Sean Clifford hadn't been beat up when him and Will Levis were going head-to-head for the job. It was it was clearly in the limitations and Levis had some opportunities. It just was clear that 
it was Clifford at that time. Will Levis has developed a little bit more. The position has changed a little bit. The legs matter a little bit more now than they did three, four years ago. And he, his arm talent has improved greatly. That's development. You can't see that at the time you have to make a decision. That one drives me bonkers. I still think James made the right choice. And I think the other point to that Will Levis versus Sean Clifford argument has to be, Will Levis still may turn into a good NFL quarterback. That doesn't necessarily mean he would have been the better college quarterback, right, Andy? Correct. 100% agree. And especially not for this offense. Especially not for Penn State's offense. He fit Kentucky's offense because Kentucky was a heavy, heavy run-first power offense. He fit them like a glove. He was a horse for the course. And he's a little I, – I, I'm on the fence with him as a top 10 NFL pick. I really am. I like him a lot. But I'm like, ah, does he – can he make those next level throws? I know his arm is developed, but I don't see it – has. I don't see it's developed in the way that puts him in a top 10 pick. So to me, he feels like he has to develop at the NFL level along the lines of Josh Allen. He has to have that kind of development at the next level. Is he capable of that? That is what makes him a top 10 pick is the ability to do that. Well, he fits the description of Josh Allen, and I think that's why people are looking at him in the NFL. It's like, oh, there's the next Josh Allen. And if you remember when Josh Allen came out of college, the comments about him were similar to what you hear about Will Levis now. There was no guarantee Josh Allen – was going to turn into Josh Allen. The fact is, though, just because they have a similar scouting report coming out of college doesn't mean Will Levis now is going to have the same transformation. Finally, Andy, in looking at these quarterbacks, you could act, I think it's fair to actually say it's a bit underwhelming if you're a top 10 program that this is the list of quarterbacks that you brought in up until you hit the name Drew Aller, and we still not guarantee. We don't, we're not quite sure what we're getting there. Should a top 10 program like Penn State and a recruiter like James Franklin have been better at recruiting quarterbacks over the last 10 years? <clears throat> oh, Jimmy, that's a tough one. Um, yes. You say at, at its core, yes. I mean, look at 19 and 20. Misfire, misfire, misfire. I think the Christian Bayou in 2021 was a gem, is a gem. I think that kid's going to be a good starter. I think he's going to be a good college quarterback. I, I, yes, the answer is yes. Should he have done better? But he is stuck with one quarterback, so he has hampered himself on the recruiting because recruits see, like, you know, Trace McSorley's the quarterback. Sean Clifford's the quarterback. Everybody else who's gone there, is still trying to figure out how to get to the number two spot and maybe get on the field. It's just because of the way the quarterback position is played out. It's just not appealing to recruits. It just simply isn't. And the last thought on quarterbacks, Penn State's not the only place that struggles with this quarterback. I've been throwing up Ohio State as an example. I'll also remind everybody, Joe Burrow went elsewhere to become a record-breaking quarterback. Quinn Ewers, also already transferred. 
and other places, it's even more of a quarterback shuffle. That is it, Andy, for quarter number two. Stick around. Ask Andy is next. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where Andrew P. Shea will take your questions at the end of the the segment. He'll pick out the best question. Whoever sent us that question, they will win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. And your prize pack will include those wonderful coffee barbecue rubs. So it's a great prize. And with that in mind, Andrew P., with that in mind, we are going to start with Gary and Belfont. Andy, what is your go-to item when it is time to grill? Same question for Jim. And since I need to ask a football question too, what do you consider Abdul Carter's calling? And give me an early prediction how high he'll be drafted. Ooh. Let's start That's... with your go-to grilling food, Andy. For me, it's chicken thighs, Jimmy. I love to rub up and season chicken thighs and grill them and like four minutes after they're off the grill have everything else ready and they're juicy so it would be chicken thighs is my go-to uh thing and i'll put uh six or eight different rub combinations that i'll use to put on them 
in terms of Abdul Carter, that's a really good he I think Abdul Carter is a top fifteen, potentially a top fifteen draft pick. If Micah Parsons went like eleven twelve, I think the NFL will learn a little bit of a lesson because they're seeing the versatility that Micah has. And Abdul Carter doesn't have all Abdul Carter doesn't have the sort of pure come off the edge that Micah has, but he's a better inside blitzer than Micah was. Micah was better coming off the edge. Abdul Carter is a little better coming through the middle. Not that, not that Micah Parsons couldn't come through the middle and make an impact. Abdul Carter is just a little bit better at it. So I'm going to say he's a, at this point in their careers, I'd say he's a top 15 first round pick in the NFL when he comes out, barring injury. Andy, I think it just speaks volumes if you're using Abdul Carter and Micah Parsons in the same conversation. That tells you how good this kid is. Yeah, and since Gary included me in this conversation, not exactly the grill. I use my smoker. To me, it's ribs. I start with rub from 409 tailgate. And here you go, Andy. Listen to me and learn, okay? you're going to do ribs, peachy pies, barbecue sauce is the way to go. The only way to go when you're making ribs. Trust me on this one. It's a success every single time. All right, let's move on. Uh, Let's see. Let's go to Dave in Pittston who says, hey, Andy, you never seem quite sold on James Franklin as a coach. Calling him a good CEO seems like hollow praise. What is it that you consider his weakness? Where do you rank him nationally as a coach? Is he in your top 10? I think he is a great CEO. I think he does, say, five things better than almost anybody else in the country. I think he is one of the, if not the top, He's one of the top three, if not the top, recruiter in the country of people that are football players, right? Like there's a combination of can you recruit just pure talent, and that's a football talent recruiter. He's a people person, and he, the combination of the two makes him more elite because of the way he establishes relationship. I think he's detail-oriented. I think he's mission-focused. I think he's vision-centered. All of those things you need to do to run a, a, a program at a fairly high level long-term. I do think he is a fringe top 10 guy in my book. His weakness has been his game day, that game day feel, like when, when he goes forward on fourth down, usage of his timeouts. Um, when to fold his cards, when to hold his cards. It just, it seems, it it just seems a little wonky at times. I love his sideline demeanor. And I think he has, especially with Manny Diaz, that was, that was pretty clear last year and a little bit more with Mike Yersich with Joe Moorhead, Joe Moorhead just sort of wrestled away control and of what he was going to do and just didn't give, he was zero, you know, what's given. He just did it his way because he just didn't care. I think Mike Yersich has kind of earned James Franklin sort of a little bit more on his own island as the OC 
in the game. And I think Manny Diaz, James is just sort of standing around saying that guy's a freak mad professor. And the more I'm out of his way, the better off this football team is. That's just smart coaching. It is not hollow praise because I respect James, the man and the person. I really, really think that he is a genuine, good human being. And that matters more than anything. All right, let's go to Matt and Acton, Massachusetts. I apologize, Matt. I'm not going to do your entire question where you were talking about the Rocky movie where at one point they compared boxers by era. But it led him to his question, which is, as of 2023, Georgia is a dynasty. And here's my question. Which former national championship team would have a good chance to beat the 23 Georgia Bulldogs? So I wonder how far back he wants me to go. I will go with, I will go with one of the Miami, the, the Jimmy Johnson coached Miami Hurricanes would have would have given that Georgia team fits that I, I can't remember the year off the top of my bald head right now but it was this it was the Jimmy Johnson Miami Hurricanes that team was loaded up. it was both sides of the ball they had offensive line they had NFL they had a record number of NFL prospects that ended up over the course of the next year or two after even after he left they were ridiculous ridiculously good that would be sort of the one team I know they lost to Penn State in 86 that would be the one team that I think would from an era gone by that would give um that would have given the 2023 Georgia team trouble that's a great question Matt I did some research Andy and I did go back in history and let me just throw off several teams and how dominant they were just for point of conversation, 1956, okay, I get it, oh, Oklahoma, they averaged 46 points a game, Andy, allowed five points a game, and six of their 10 games, they shut out the opponent. Pretty good. 2019, LSU with Joe Burrow, they beat seven top 10 teams. Pretty good. Yeah. 95 Nebraska team undefeated they won every game by over two touchdowns that's a no they, for me they won their orange bowl game for the championship beating florida 62 24 1972 usc they won 11 out of 12 by at least 17 1970 nebraska their average score for the season was 39 to 8 and they won their championship game against number two Alabama, 38 to 6 in the Orange Bowl. And finally, Andy, and I didn't read this part with uh, Matt, he didn't want runner ups, but I'm going to give you the 1994 Penn State team yeah. where they had three picks in the top 10 of the NFL draft in one year, and enti their entire offense essentially went to the NFL. Yeah. So. I would put that uh, 94 team out there. Very good question uh, from you, Matt. All right, let's go to Sandy and Carlisle. He says, Andy, a couple weeks ago, you said that you thought Hackenberg was a better quarterback than Drew Aller. Oh, no. Was, was that because Aller is so young and he's not proven anything yet? 
or do you think he will never surpass Hackenberg in his career? Interesting question. Yeah, so that's a good one, Sandy. It is it is the former, not the latter. I think in terms of a skill set, they're they're very similar to me, but I think Drew Aller has a higher ceiling, and I think he will have more help. But what I think it's I think the undervalue of what Christian Hackenberg endured and did for Penn State it gets it gets overlooked. That's a good way to put it. And I think it is that he hasn't done anything yet, and I, I I need to see more of it on a consistent basis. And I'm not talking a whole season. I'm talking three or four games. I need 12 quarters to know. Hopefully soon enough we'll get a different answer. Let's sneak one more in. Jason from Oregsburg says, This year the seventh best team in college football won the Rose Bowl and finished the season up on stage hoisting a trophy surrounded by confetti. I think we know who he's talking about. <laughs> Once we have a playoff, the seventh best team will be the team that lost in the second round and went home. Is it possible we're going to miss the good old days, Andy? Oh, that's a really good question. I I think in some respects you kind of will you kind of will miss the good old days. But once you get two or three years of the expanded playoffs and see what it looks like, it, it will more closely resemble the NFL playoffs. I think you'll forget about the good old days where, you know, 20 some teams won a bowl game and got to celebrate under confetti. I think you'll forget about that because of the dynamic of the college football playoff at the next level with more teams involved. It'll change the regular season and the conversations around the regular season because instead of talking about four four teams or seven teams that are going to be in the top four, you're going to be talking about 15, 16, 18 teams that could possibly be in the top 12. I, uh, you know what, Andy? I agree with you 100%. Wow. I also agree with Jason 100%. I'm wishy-washy because... I'm an advocate for this expanded playoffs. I love it. I can't wait for it, Andy. Yet at the same time, I know exactly what Jason is saying. There's With the playoffs, there's going to be every team but one that's going to be disappointed. Where for so many years, you know, with the bowl game and no playoff at all, you could feel really good about your team. And this year was a taste of it with Penn State winning the Rose Bowl. So I, I understand what Jason's saying, but I also can't wait for the playoffs. All right, that's it, Andy. Stick around. Quarter number four, Mr. Shea will name his winner. Stick with us. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the fourth quarter of the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andy Shea. Before we move on to our quarter number four topic, Andy, we need a winner from Ask Andy. Who do you got? Yeah, so I got to go with the last one. It's Jason and Oryxburg. Um, Congrats. You get the 409 tailgateclub.com gift package, whatever that is. It, is it include the rubs, right, Jimmy? It includes those coffee yeah, barbecue rubs, yeah, Andy. You. Very thoughtful and unexpected question that we both kind of lit up about. Like, oh, I never thought of it or looked at it that way. So you're my winner. I like the question, Jason. In fact, I liked it so much. I think you're going to hear that conversation again as a segment topic at some point. It, it is an interesting thing, especially for us old guys who remember before there were any kind of playoffs, there were just bowl game winners and then arguments over who was the best team. All right, Andy, here is our topic for quarter number four. Here's the question. What does this Penn State team need to do to get over that hump versus Michigan and Ohio State? Let's face it, that's the mountain they have to climb, right? Yeah, it, it's, you know, when Penn State's in this position, right? And don't forget, it, it, it came off two years of mediocre football and changed the conversation. But it still mattered then too, right? For Penn State, as the Big Ten is set up right now with them in the East. It's everything's centers around what happens against Michigan and what happens against Ohio state. You, you lump the two together. It's more about what happens against Ohio state. Cause they've in the James Franklin era, they've only beat them once. Uh, they've had several really good chances to win those football games. Um, it's been a little bit more of a equal bag against Michigan, but when they lose to Michigan, man, it is generally not very pretty, um, and it's it's almost like you know jarring to the system, right? Even this in twenty twenty two, the loss to Michigan was like, oh man, what the heck is going on here? And 
you know, that that's the way it goes against Michigan. So it, it is about what happens against Michigan and what happens against Ohio State. I find it fascinating that those two teams are so different. With Ohio State, sometimes it just feels like it's an all-star team. They're about the only team that could compare to Georgia and Alabama as far as talent acquisition. When they recruit, it's every year among the top couple teams. That's where they are. Michigan, interestingly enough, as you put it, Michigan, Penn State, they've been beating each other. Even though, yes, you're right, when Michigan wins, it seems like they blow out Penn State. But Michigan seems to recruit at about the same level as Penn State. Somehow they found that formula over the last two years, and they did it in a very different way than Ohio State has. My question is, is there a formula for Penn State to do what Michigan did? Because I don't think they'll ever have the same kind of talent acquisition that an Alabama, a Georgia, and Ohio State has. Correct. So for Michigan, it's interesting. So their last two years in the run to the college football playoffs, right, Jimmy, they're they're dynamically different, in my opinion. So in 2021, their first run was was literally based on an an elite, elite defense. Bookended by two NFL, you know, defensive ends, good linebackers, great safety play. Their defense carried the water up the hill for them. They had struggles at the quarterback position. They had no identity on offense per se, other than, you know, they were Jim Harbaugh's team that would run it on third and six. And they just rode a defense as far as a defense could take them in. And they lost their college football playoff game because they ran up against a team that had just as much cooking on the other side of the ball as their defense did. And it became their offense against uh, um, the defense, and they got they got outclassed. Last year, it was in 2022, it was different. It was their offense that was carrying it. The quarterback developed. The running game became a force. Their receiver, they could push the ball down the field. They were scoring a ton of points. Big plays all over the field. And their defense was... Good, not great. Well, when it came to the college football playoffs, TCU exposed their defense, right? And everyone knew that Michigan could put up points against TCU's defense. That was a given. It was what could TCU's offense do against eh, Michigan's probably not as dynamic defense. And so for Michigan, it's been a, a, a mixed bag of both. Ohio State's always about points and outscoring you. That's it. They got a better quarterback. They got better receivers, running backs. They're just going to put up as many points as they can and see if you can keep up. Well, Georgia can keep up. That's basically the bottom line. And that is how Ohio State does it. That's how they always do it. They have elite positional talent at different levels from time to time, but they never have a really good defense. They don't. They just simply don't. And they'll have elite talent at certain spots, but overall as a defense, they never have an elite-level defense. They almost always have an elite-level offense. So that's how those two teams do it. And I I think Michigan's set up better than most now to continue in a second year to try and make another run because they have the quarterback. They have the, a stable of running backs. They're losing a little bit on the offensive line, quite a bit. But 
that's going to be their question mark. But I still think they're set up to do it. And I don't see their defense as being elite again. I see it as being very good, but not great. Let's turn our attention to Penn State itself, Andy. Sure. And the defense, and we've talked about it, and I think we both have a man crush on Manny Diaz and what he's done with this defense. And let's face it, he also has a lot of talent there and really knows how to use it. Flip over to the other side of the ball on offense. Is it just a matter of, and we compared this uh, Penn State's quarterback play to Ohio State, or at least their acquisition of talent, now with Drew Aller, not what he is now, but what he can become, all that potential there, will this be the difference maker? Is it simply at quarterback and the performance at that position, Andy? That's the simplified answer. It could be against Michigan, right? Against Michigan, it could be. It's never going to – Not. I don't want to say I, – I take back my number. It's generally not going to be the case against Ohio State because there's a talent acquisition gap at the receiver position and at the quarterback position that just simply exists. So this is an obvious and pretty oversimplified answer. Is it about the quarterback? Yeah, but – is it all about the quarterback? I I don't think it is. I really don't. I don't think the quarterback is the is an answer. I have an answer. We'll get to it, but I don't think it's the quarterback. Okay, let's get to it, Andy. Is Ohio State's going to bring in more talent than Penn State is. We know that. They're also bringing in more talent than Michigan. Michigan found the formula over the last two years that worked. What is that formula for Penn State? So Penn, so Penn State is set up in 2023, and this is their formula. It is that their defense, they do this by taking what is both Ohio State's and Michigan's less strong element heading forward, which definitely is their defense for both teams. In 2021 with Michigan, that wouldn't have been the case. They do this by making their defense elite and a game changer. Michigan and Ohio State are all about scoring points in 2023 and using big plays. Mostly Ohio State in the pass game, Michigan through the run game. They do this by making their defense elite, their strength against strength. They are stronger at what both those teams are weaker at, which is defense, and make and have an offense that can score some points, but doesn't have to score 38 or 42 to win a football game. Um, so I just think it, it I, I think for Ohio State, their defense has kind of always been below average to me, but you can't really see that because the, as an overall picture, when you think about Ohio State, because the offense is so high powered, you can't see it. You can't see it, and they play such a, you know, their schedule doesn't really bring it to the front very often. But it shows up in the college football playoffs that their defense is below average, in my opinion, overall as a complement to their football program as they're viewed overall. Their offense carries the water. So that Penn State has to tie up these offenses in knots and win with defense. And this 2023 team, is set up to do that when you look at the, the players they have coming back, the elite elite stars they have at different levels, the 
the, the numbers tell you that in scoring defense, passing, you know, defense, rushing defense, they're balanced, they're equal, they're aggressive, they're fast. They can make these offenses day very difficult, and that is the only way they can. I'm looking at it, how can they beat both? Not can they beat one. Actually, how can they beat both? And that is that is how they do it, which is the other team's less strong side of the ball is Penn State's strength, and it carries that game for them. From quarter number one through quarter number four, you come out saying, okay, the quarterback played well, they scored some points, but it was the defense that that actually tied up both teams' offenses. That is the way I see Penn State beating and getting to the next level against Michigan and Ohio State. I agree, Andy, that it starts with the defense. And I do believe, despite despite the performance against Michigan, which I think was the one game where Manny oh, Diaz was outcoached and outstrategized, yeah, I don't believe it was, you know, what that quick knee-jerk reaction from James Franklin. They were bigger and stronger and they bullied us and we got to get bigger. I don't think that was the case. I think they outcoached them. I think they outflanked them. I, I think they completely won that game in the coaching room. And Coming Manny Diaz this year, the, I'm sorry, Jimmy. And Manny Diaz threw the kitchen sink at Michigan, and none of it worked. It's just one of those days. Michigan was prepared for it. But I do think if Penn State has enough positions on offense that excel, the tight end, the running backs are excellent. Cool. I think the offensive line's going to be above average or even good. Um, but – is Drew Aller what we hope he is? And can he get a couple receivers so that he can fulfill that potential? That is where I think they still have to prove it. Everywhere else, I think they have a team that could win. Andy, unfortunately, that is it. We are out of time. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.